You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board. My name is J Mac in St. Louis, joined by... Hey, this is Sam in Nashville, Tennessee. And we've got a really fun show coming up. I can't wait to get to it. we got a very special guest. But before we get to that, I would just like to remind our listeners that every Wednesday, new content drops on all major streaming services, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. Check it out. It's either going to be an episode, which is a full-length show, or a B-side, which is a little blurb that we do, a special like little icebreaker that we do with our guest before every episode. This week will be no exception. This week was pretty fun. We had an like we had an expert on this week, wouldn't you say, Sam? Absolutely, J-Mac. So without further ado, let's get to our honored guest here. Sam, you want to give him his big intro? Absolutely, J-Mac. I'm excited to introduce our guests for this episode. Gene Hafner, the owner of the iconic record store in St. Louis, The Record Exchange. The Record Exchange has been a haven for vinyl collectors for nearly 45 years with a huge, and I mean gigantic, vinyl selection uh, of cassettes, vinyl, video, turntables, home audio gear, you name it. He probably has it, or he's going to have one soon. Uh, Gene is also joined by his daughter, Jenna, and business partner for the store and fellow music enthusiast. We're going to talk about how Gene got into the business and hopefully hear some cool behind-the-scenes stories from along the way. Welcome, Gene and Jenna. Why don't you both say hi to everyone? Hi. How are you? Hi, Sam. Gene, you don't change. You've looked the same since I've since I went to the record store about, about 10, 15 years ago. Oh, that's not true. Everybody changes. Time waits for now. You've got all your hair. I'm completely bald under this hat. So congratulations, <laughs> sir. I would just like to ask you, first of all, how did you get started with your love of music? What made you love music so much that you would go into this 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 business? Well, I started in music uh, untrained, by the way. When I was in high school, I didn't have any uh, formal training at all. I like music. I like rock and roll. Um, my family was not musically inclined, so I bought a guitar when I was seven or eight years old. wasn't smart enough to figure out how to play it and didn't have any encouragement from family. So I thought, well, I'll just play the drums. So that's what I did. I got me a set of drums and formed a band, and we had a lot of fun. Got paid, you know, but felt guilty when I got paid. That's how good I was. <laughs> But a lot of fun. <laughs> and from there, it just evolved into passion. And that's what it is today and what it's been for 44 years. 44 years. That was another question I've got on my list here. That's a long time. That's almost as long as I've been alive. Yeah. It seems like yesterday though, when I started. <laughs> um, I, my dad told me to go to college, get a college degree, then go find the biggest company I could find to work for. I did all that after the Navy. Uh, but I wasn't happy. I was making lots of money living in San Francisco, living a high life, really. But I wasn't satisfied. Um, I was working for my dad, not for me. And so I decided to give it up and go, for, go on my own. I never owned anything used in my life at that point in time. But after giving up the suit and tie nine to five routine, uh, I never looked back and I've enjoyed it ever since. Well, they say if you can find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I got to tell you, sir, that job, your store there, I don't even think you, I could, you could, you wouldn't have to pay me anything. I would, I would pay you to work there. It's amazing, amazing location. Yeah. It's fun. 
uh, I've had a lot of people come in and volunteer to work for that reason because they enjoyed <laughs> it too. And I didn't have a, a real purpose or need for them, but I appreciated what they wanted to do. And sure, why not? Well, I can tell you, Gene, that I have spent countless hours in your store digging through the crates, um, like trying to get like you know back to like the the deepest uh, stack of records behind the wall to see if I can find that that gym. And I found some some pretty amazing stuff in your store. Um, it's always good to have a conversation, um, especially if we're talking about Elvis. I have learned so much about <laughs> Elvis from you. <laughs> you and me both, Sam. Well, I remember I went in and I was on the I was looking for an Elvis record of uh, Blue Hawaii, and that's Elvis records are hard to find. I mean, occasionally you can find maybe a greatest hits in like a Goodwill or something, but usually the Elvis records go fast. And my son and me had been watching some Elvis movies. My my wife bought me like a like a six pack of Elvis movies, and Blue Hawaii was on there. And I've always loved the song Blue Hawaii. I believe Sinatra did it, and some other people. I love Elvis's version of it. I went down to your store. It was it was I it was literally like the third record I pulled out of the stack. If you want Elvis, there is no greater store. I don't think anywhere on this planet where you're going to find more Elvis. Well, at one time I prided myself in having the largest Elvis collection in the world. Uh, of course, since then um, others have come up and collected a lot more than I ever thought about collecting. But uh, I started my business with my personal collection. And I was a little bit apprehensive by doing that because I thought I'd lose it. But doing it day by day, it grew, it grew and now it's what it is today. But uh, the inventory is second to none, really. What are some of your most prized Elvis pieces that you have? Well, one of them is one I don't have anymore because I sold it. But March of Dimes, 1957, made a 16-inch transcription disc which radio stations played. It wasn't available mm. to the public because people couldn't play them. They didn't have a 16-inch transcription disc. But anyway, Elvis sang a couple of songs on this disc and then promoted the March of Dimes. And it had a cue sheet with it with questions and answers and everything like that. And it had on the cue sheet that it was supposed to be destroyed after it was used, which it was. So very few exist today. I had one of those, and that's probably my prize possession that I, I've had. I don't have it now. But. What was the first record you ever bought? This this is real. I've been thinking about this. I I know you got to remember. With a record man like yourself, you remember. I sure do. And it's amazing. I'm not the only one. A lot of people mention the first, first record they ever bought. And mine was Ricky Nelson's first album, which I thought was his first album anyway, but it wasn't. It was on Imperial, his first Imperial album. But he had one on Verb before that, which I didn't even know about until five or six years after being in this business. But anyway, that's oh, wow. the first one, Ricky Nelson's first album. So I can blame it all on him. It's his fault. <laughs> it's all Ricky's yeah. fault. I remember as a kid, my dad had a stack of records, and they it wasn't a good stack. My dad was not known for his musical taste, but it didn't matter to me. The When the needle went down on that vinyl and that little crackle, it was like magic. And so... Whenever I started realizing that that records, I guess, were making a comeback, if you would say, I mean, you you obviously have never thought they went away. No. But it's something about that needle dropping on that vinyl, and there's a warmth to that sound mm -hmm. that I'm telling you, even kids now, when when like teenagers will come over to my house or like young like twenty something year olds, 
I'll say you got to look at my record collection. In fact, I was just spinning Hot Rocks by the Rolling Stones, which I bought at your shop probably damn near 10 years ago. And it's it's like they're afraid. They're afraid of it. <laughs> my son was asking. My son is nine. He goes, Daddy, how does that little needle pick up the pick up the, the sound? I was like, well, there's 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 music written in the grooves, but it's, it's, it's almost magic. And this is something me and Sam say on this show all the time. Music is magic. It has the ability to transform people, moods. Uh, I mean, I use it for my health, with, with my health problems, music. And it's the vibe of your store is like, you know how some people like have their new age shops where they go in with their crystals and all that? The yeah. smell of your store when I walk in and I smell the vinyl and the, and the cardboard and just just the history in that place. It is like it's like I've walked into some kind of Willy Wonka wonderland. I love yeah. it. <laughs> That's amazing. I hear that all the time. I'm kind of immune to it because I live here, but you know, I, I know I know what you're talking about. If you don't mind, I was going to add to that. Um, sure. That's a smell Please. I've known my whole life. That cardboard and <laughs> Um, just my, yeah, no, well, dad, it smells like you. It smells, it smells like my dad. (laughs) And, um, I actually lost my sense of smell from a head injury about eight years ago and I haven't gotten it back, but this is how powerful, uh, this place is. I walk in the back door and it still hits me. And I I mean, I'm serious. I can't smell anything, but when I come in here, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's memory or what. They say that scent is like the most, um, you know, the most powerful memory. So I, I walk through the back door almost every day or at least five times a week, and it still hits me. It's pretty cool. So tell us how you ended up in that fantastic location. That's a really amazing spot. How did you end up in a – it's an old public library, right? Yep. Well, when I started the business, I started very small. Um I started on Del Mar right next to the Tivoli Theater, and it wasn't much bigger than my office area right there where I take care of business. At that time, it was not just me. It was everyone that was in small business. They wanted to expand, 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 I guess, try to become a big guy or somebody. I don't know what it was. But anyway, I did that, and others did that too. I had nine stores at one time, all going at the same time. But I learned the hard way. I couldn't be nine places at once. So uh, I wanted to cut it down by having a bigger building and not having as many smaller stores. So that's what I did. Now now it's consolidate, consolidate, which I like much better. So, I mean, do you have an estimation on on just how many records you have in there right now? Oh, I don't like to talk about numbers. (laughs) (laughs) That says it all. I have the biggest inventory in the country. Okay. Yeah. No doubt. Yours is like the Godzilla of record stores. It's overwhelming. And it's like, I mean, when I'm in there, obviously I don't have a lot of time. I always go straight to the Sinatra section. I love the Rat Pack. And and you've got a great Sinatra selection. I could get lost in your classic rock. It's just, you you feel like, you, you it's like you step into, there's no time in there. Like, it's it's amazing, Sam. You got any finds you found at the record exchange? Anything that of like that really stands out to you as a really cool, exciting find? It doesn't even have to be music. You have you have gear in there too, right, Gene? Yep. You never know what you're going to find when you when you go to the record <laughs> exchange. Um, I have found so much cool uh, stuff there, like from records to cassette tapes to um, guitar pedals, and you know everything you know under the sun. Um, 
amazing cool posters. I mean, it, it's it's really one of the best, uh, you know, collections in St. Louis and really, you know, in the Midwest, maybe even in the in the country of just like it really is one of those iconic spots. I, you know, if, if you're in the area, you should stop at the record exchange and see it. Um, I was just in there a few weeks ago and picked up a copy of um, Tom Petty's first record. That was a nice find to find. Some people walk in the door, they'll take a look around and walk right back out. They can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a, a buffet of, of of music and here I, I'm a big physical media for I like I like holding it in my hand. If you if you dig physical media, whether it's CDs, tapes, vinyl, this is the shop for you. Gene, what are some of your top sellers? He uh, I'm gonna take over for him because um he's quizzed me on this about my whole life you're asking <laughs> I love sellers, that. i'm thinking that you want to know like what actual record is yeah what sold. are the what are the top selling records yeah 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 you you get it in that day and it's gone before the day's well, over but no i'm gonna take it okay, because you, <laughs> he has he has quizzed me on this forever number one as anyone could guess dark side of the moon i bought my copy oh, there, there. You i bought my copy yeah. there it's in and it's out. It's, you know, it's here and then it's gone. And, you yep. know, I try to Believe stay that. away from ever posting it because I just break people's hearts. You know, I say, hey, it's <laughs> here. And then they say, I'm coming for it. And I'm like, no, it's already gone. Sorry. So that's definitely number one. Um, I think then we've got a uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors right mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, Amazing. Album. Yeah. And I think more people my age are coming for that one right now too, because they're, um, you know, everyone all of a sudden knows who Stevie Nicks is. It's like, she lived under a rock for anyone my age or younger. And now she's like, you know, welcome to the universe again. But, um, that's really cool. Yeah. And then after that, uh, it's an Eagles album, right? Yeah. Greatest hits. Greatest hits. Michael Jackson after that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I could see that. I think I got my copy of Thriller at your store. Um, yeah, I could see how that would be. Fa- I mean, when I found, when I found, I believe when I found Dark Side of the Moon, I brought it up to the front, and I think you actually said to me, Gene, something along the lines of, "Well, this this doesn't last very long. Good good find on this one." Yep. Um, <laughs> Pink Floyd is crazy on vinyl. It's like nobody ever gets rid of it. It's kind of like Prince. Uh, yeah. Nobody ever gets rid of their Prince record, so it's it's really rare to find used pink floyd or, or prince and i know because i've hunted a lot of different places if you if you really want some of this you got to buy it new but if you if you if you're an early worm if you're an early bird you can you can get the worm down at the record exchange you know what one of my favorite finds at, at your store gene was um uh i found a copy of the beach boys pet mm-hmm. sounds in mono yeah. that's kind of hard to come by that used to live on my wall uh, in my bedroom at their house. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, he had got me like a, um, you know, it was like a picture frame, but you could actually put your record in it. It, it wasn't just for the mm. artwork. And I had pet yeah. sounds and I think I had gypsy and, and they hung, you know, on both sides of my bed. I think I bought one of the Star Wars soundtracks down there at, at your shop, and I think it's—I believe it's hanging in my basement. My whole basement is a shrine to Star Wars, and I swear I got—I think it was Empire Strikes Back. I found, and it's—it's it's in one of those frames that, you, that you're talking about, Jenna. Yeah. Do you guys have any favorite or very memorable customers? I know you see the same—you got to see like the same people come in 
uh, over the years. Anybody special or memorable that sticks out to you? Maybe somebody that's just like you got to see him to believe him. Maybe maybe somebody that's willing to come in and dig through every last stack like Sam to find something. Um, yeah, I've got lots of people like that. Um, they all have different interests. So some um, I know exactly what they want. Some I have no clue what they want, and they don't know either. <laughs> Well, that is half the fun of of coming into the record exchanges is you really don't know what you're going to find because you're constantly getting new stuff in there or, you know, digging stuff out um, from the stacks that you have. I have discovered a lot of music that I wouldn't have listened to otherwise just by coming in, digging through the stacks, taking it back to the turntable back there on the back wall like listening to it for a while, like, you know, I would come down there and, and just spend, you know, two or three hours on a Saturday afternoon, just like exploring the store and finding cool new well, things. My whole premises of the store is I have something just about for anybody. Uh, if it's sold at one time, it'll sell again. And on my worst days, I sell the craziest stuff. You know, that <laughs> never sell. That's the way it works. You know, I was looking for a Ravi Shankar record and for those, I mean, our listeners would know because they know I love sitar music. He, he's the Indian sitar maestro who, who was uh, friends with George Harrison, taught George Harrison. I went down to your shop not knowing where to look. And I asked, there was a tall guy working in there. And I said, I'm looking for Ravi Shankar. I, I know where I, he, he said, oh, I know right where it is. He took me to the back wall. There was, there was, there was a stack of Ravi Shankar records. I'm telling you, you can find crazy, crazy stuff. It's, it was a portrait of genius album. I still have it upstairs. It was the first sitar music I ever bought on vinyl. So if, if you're in the store and you feel like you said, these people come in and, and turn around and walk out, they're missing it. Just, if you're looking for something, go ask, go ask Gene or Jenna or any other, there's other people that work in there. Ask, they, they know where things are. If you don't. I mean, it's fun to get lost in there, but if you're very specifically searching for something, ask at the front desk. They're very helpful, very courteous, very knowledgeable. They will be able to direct you like a GPS to the record at the very back of the store. And like I said, I I bet you don't get a lot of people asking for Ravi Shankar records, do you, Gene? Not a lot, but they come in. Yep, I was one of them. Yep. What is one? Is, is there any rare items that have come through the store? Whether they're musical equipment, maybe guitars, posters, memorabilia, records, something really rare that sticks out to you that somebody brought in that you just thought, how 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 did I get so lucky to have my, get my hands on this? Well, my most current item like that would be a rock and roll trio album, Johnny Burnett from the fifties. It's very rare and very hard to find, and I've only seen a couple of them myself, so. I put it online. You just recently got that, right? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. Did you spin it uh, in the on the in-store uh turntable for, you know, for people to listen to or is that is that one of those ones where you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to put this on the turntable. <laughs> well, it's a collector's item, so it, it would have to be somebody right. of definite interest before I'd play it. That makes sense. You know, one of the things, you know, I guess that people don't realize is you know, every time you play a record, they kind of wear down just a little bit each time. Yeah, right? we we were actually on the phone when he got that record in. You know, I had distracted him by, you know, having him on the phone and he almost dropped it. And I, I heard him kind of oh. make a noise and I was like, oh, are you OK? Are you OK? And he was like, yeah, I just I almost dropped this record. <laughs> and and then he told me all about it. And I was like, oh, OK, let's just get off the phone then. <laughs> like, <laughs> let, let's make our priorities straight here. We'll crisis averted yeah, I was like we'll talk later 
Now, Jenna, do you get to pick some of the in-store music? Because one of the cool things about the store, you never know what kind of record is playing. I've heard Burton Cummings in there. I've heard, of course, Elvis, Guess Who, uh, Stones, a lot of Elvis, stuff like that. Who pick, Who's in charge of the DJ booth? Well, uh, I mean, my whole life, he has let me DJ um, since I had a taste in music. And probably even before I had a taste in music, he, <laughs> he used to let me listen to you know, the Backstreet Boys when I was younger, not to say that they aren't worth listening to, but I wasn't fully developed in, you know, what I liked and what I disliked at the time. So um, he never took me off of uh, DJ mode. He, you know, play what you want to hear. And if it looks like something you want to listen to, put it on, see if you like it. So um, I've always had that to my advantage. Yeah. I mean, even now when I come in at almost 30 years old, if I put it on or if I ask him to put it on it, there's never a debate, you know, right now we've got Zeppelin three playing, which I've probably had on since I was 11 or 12 years old. <laughs> so nice. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I put that on and he didn't say a word. He didn't even look at me or blink his eye. He just was <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, we have a lot of similar That's cool. tastes, so we don't butt heads on too many things and we're both, kind of um interested to hear things that we haven't heard before and if we don't like it we turn it off (laughs) would there be anything that you would put on that gene would put the kibosh on like if you put on some slayer or something like would you would would gene would gene tell you no or do you have carte blanche i don't think he'd say no to slayer i think he'd i think he'd start drumming along (laughs) like nice um, yeah Actually, that that makes me think of a question that I, I you know, you don't have to answer this, Gene. Um, and, and you can answer this too, Jenna, but like, what's the, <laughs> is there a record or a song that you just really, you, you know, you've heard it way too much. You'd rather just not oh, yeah. put it on. Elvis Teddy Bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I get behind that. The reason for that is uh, I manage Bill Cherry, who's the world's greatest, in my opinion, Elvis tribute artist. He's got the moves, the looks, the mannerisms, the voice. He's got the whole ball of wax. He makes Elvis' yeah. girlfriends cry. That's how good he is. <laughs> but he does wow. He does this show, and he always puts in teddy bear because the girls come up to the stage, and he likes that. But I'm just sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the things I was going to ask you. I think you answered me. So do you have any Elvis tribute artists ever come in the store? So it sounds like I got yeah. my answer. Yeah, I do, but there's only one real tribute artist in my book and that's bill cherry do do they dress up when they come in or do they just come in in their street clothes they just come in street clothes but you can tell they're tribute artists usually because of their hair or the look or whatever yeah it's kind of a distinctive look (laughs) it's very distinct yeah most of them don't do it like elvis did it they try to do it the way they would like to do it and there's a big difference so uh, am i understanding this correctly i've I've heard this before they, they're not called impersonators anymore they're called tribute artists am i right right and there's contests for these people right? right right that's awesome awesome so chances are if you come into the store jen is going to be spinning discs so just just so just you know if you i'm guarantee you'll like it but if there's any slayer don't look at gene it's going to be it's going to be jenna <laughs> i don't like slayer yeah. yeah. He put it on before me, probably. Yeah. I've moved my preference from 50s and 60s rock and roll to 70s and 80s, now going into 90s. So, you know, I, I followed the, the music trend. Yeah. One of my favorite things was that's cool. When I was like 
probably 16 or 17, you know, I'd really gotten into Wilco and, uh, Oh, nice. Yeah. And I was like, you know, we, if someone brought in like every Wilco album known to mankind on, on CD and I had them all spread out on, um, you know, on the counter and I was trying to pick which one I wanted to play because I wanted to play for him, the one that I knew all the, you know, all the songs on. And I went to put one on and he starts telling me information about the band that I didn't even know. And I'm like, oh, I was like, I thought I was going to I thought I was going <laughs> to tell you about Wilco and introduce you to this band that I thought was really good. And you're already ahead of me. And, you know, it, it, it amazes me because that's cool. I think he's behind me, but he's <laughs> not. <laughs> Jenna, before we go, before we wrap it up, I just want to say. Good job on on the Facebook page. I when you started posting every day, I like everything you post. Can you tell me what makes you dig a record out? What's your inspiration when you like you have a, like you had the Doors on the other day. You've had Sinatra. There was uh, a Radiohead album. What what inspires you to pick the records out? I think um, I think I get it from my dad. I think. Like what he said earlier in the show, um, you got to try to find something for everyone. So I try to keep that in mind and um, put something on there that people can relate to. And even if it's just that they relate to the the, um, the artwork on the album and say, oh, I remember that. Or, yeah, that looks familiar. Um, I think that's cool for people to see a visual. And when they see it, they hear the music. Um, and that's kind of like yeah. my goal with the social media post is that. It takes some people back and even for people my age and younger, maybe they're seeing it for the first time and saying, wow, that's pretty cool. Maybe I should check that out. Or even if they don't want to get it on vinyl, maybe they'll look it up on uh, on Spotify or something and just, you know, they'll learn a little bit about music. Absolutely. Well, I love your posts. I look forward to them because I think I really, I really got this feeling. I maybe it's a wish that, Eventually, the world is going to go back to records. The world is going to realize how cool records are. And in fact, at uh, at Barnes and Noble, there's a vinyl section. It's new vinyl. There's no used vinyl. There's something, Sam, and I think you can speak to this. Something about buying a used p- a piece of wax. It's it's special because, like for instance, the Hot Rocks album that I bought down at your shop. There was a little little folder ins- in insert that said it was like. With some kind of promotional material that got stuffed down inside for the Rolling Stones. You never know who had the record before you. And when you put it on, I like to think who who listened to this record last. Sam, you want to speak to the nostalgia of, of vinyl? Actually, that's a that's a point that I've thought about for a for a long time. Like, you know, I, I don't I don't know if this is true or not, you know, but a lot of people talk about how like memories can be attached to items. Um, and maybe you you buy something and you know, you you something that was loved, maybe a little bit of that like you know, hangs on to that. And uh, I think that there is something, you know, true to the fact, like, you know, how music becomes so entwined to like our daily lives. Like you, you hear some song that takes you back to some point, you know, in your life, or maybe it's a special song with a special someone or, you know, that smell of like the cardboard and like listening, you know, spinning a record, like takes you back to that place. I certainly think there at the record exchange, there's got to be just such a wealth of 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 memories and uh, and uh, emotions and music tied to it. Like when you walk through that place, um, I've certainly have experienced that. Like going through and you know digging through the stacks, whether it's in the middle of summer and you know you're 
you're just like hanging out there and, and it's it's a little warm and you and you just love it. You're just like digging through the stacks or you like, you know, in, in there and just kind of um, digging through it and then find something that you didn't expect to see. Um, I think that's part of the magic of the record exchange just in general is like it, it you know, it is a place to go and like reconnect with pieces of your life. Yeah, and Does that make any does. sense and to you? Sam, I actually want to add to that. Um, like a, this is a really good example of what you're talking about. And dad, I'm sorry, you probably don't know this because I haven't told you this yet, but um, someone had bought a record here uh, from out of town three or four years ago. And it was obviously a used record and someone had given it as a gift, you know, in 1968. And they had written, in wow. it, you know, happy birthday to so-and-so. So the person who bought it looked up that person on Facebook, found them and sent them a picture of their vinyl and said, hey, I bought this at a record store in St. Louis. It was gifted to you in 1968. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for, you know, the record. And so wow. both of those people connected with me and said, hey, um, I got this at your dad's shop. And then, of course, the other person said, hey, this person reached out to me. They said they got it at your dad's shop. We um, are so grateful that our music is being recycled and that, you know, the other person was really thankful for the memory. And um, it was pretty cool. They both kind of sent the same message, but in their own words. And that totally relates to what you're saying. Like, it's it's emotional. It's It's very memorable. And it's just kind of amazing what music can do. That really is amazing. What a great story. I think we might as well end the show on that, Sam. I don't think we're going to find a better uh, show topper than that. No, that's, that's what it's all about. So for another excellent episode of two tape decks and a mixing board, my name is Jay Mack. And I'm Sam Wade. Gene. And I'm Jenna. Saying until next week, stay, stay cosmic. cosmic. Stay cosmic. We'd also like to take some time to mention um, Chris Rieger. He is an incredible employee who's been working with us at the Record Exchange for about six months now. And he is part of a band called Hayes Bond. And um, a couple of guys who are in that band together are all super talented and make great music. And we just wanted to let everyone know that they've put some new stuff out and they're on Spotify. Um, if you are into good music and want to look them up, it's Haze Bond, H-A-Z-E-B-O-N-D. Um, highly recommend listening to their music and um, just checking out some of the stuff that they've put out there. They've, they've made some great work.